1: pride, passion, and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, our 3 Podcast. This
2: might be college football. Heather.
3: back Second uh, half of the show is live. Thanks for being here. And uh, let's get right back to the call. Buck is up next in Georgia. Hey, Buck. Hey, how are you, Paul? We are doing great. Thank you.
4: I thought I would call. I was sitting here relaxing for a few minutes between my work. I was the aircraft captain uh, oh, yeah. on the airplane that brought the Prince from Atlanta over to Athens. Really? On that day, we sat in the president's box, had, had lunch. He had a few drinks. He let, he did like the girls. There were a few of the cheerleaders that <laughs> came up. <laughs> he was us. single
3: at the time. This was pre-Diana, right?
4: Yeah, I, that's true. I've got it. Uh, he signed a few things for me. I've got it in my in my uh, aviation logbook. And a um, guy from Kentucky not He didn't have the correct information. I was there. My name's Buck Wilson. Okay. I was chosen as the aircraft commander because I played at Georgia, '55 through '58 under Wally But. Yes, sir. And that's the true story of it, Paul.
3: Yeah, no, it is. Uh, so, so, so Buck, tell me, uh, I mean, I, I know when you, when you're, you're a pilot, you, you fly a lot of people, but wh- how did you get the assignment to, uh, and, and how what, did, what, what went through your mind when you found out well, you were flying him?
4: Back, back then uh, I think Zell Miller was, uh, was the governor, right? The governor had a, a number of pilots and a number of aircraft assigned to you. It eventually went to the department of air transportation. But I played at Georgia those years, right. from 55 through 58, and I was given the assignment because I played, I guess, at Georgia, and uh, flew him over there, and, and then the state patrol picked us up, brought us over there, and um, we went up to the president's box. We stayed, we slipped and uh was with him up there during the whole time.
3: Um, listen, I, I realized, uh, even though it's been many, many years, uh, but... When, when you're, when you have, I mean, you had royalty. I don't need to say you did, because you did. Uh, you had the heir to the, uh, to the throne. Um, is it any different? I mean, I, I know you're, you, you weren't sure, you wouldn't have been chosen if you weren't aptly qualified, but was it intimidating at all? No, no, not at all. We flew,
4: we flew a lot of celebrities. Dirk Reynolds became a good friend of mine. Really? When he was. Yeah, when he was uh, making movies here because I flew him down to West Palm where his mother and daddy was. Uh, went to his house. Uh, spent good 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 number of time, uh, days with him during those times. And um, the part about James Brown is true. He did have an aircraft. It was painted solid black based in Augusta. And he did do what a guy said he did. He, he did those those trips and said and did those things and and produced those shows. Some were pretty good, some were not. <laughs> and the guys that flew him, the pilots that flew him, were friends of mine, and uh, they uh,
3: got along okay. It seems. So, so Buck, answer don't... me this: So, when, when and, and I, I know people that have met, uh, who have been to Buckingham Palace representing entities as you can imagine is there any uh, when you're when you're when you're with the prince is there any special protocol that you have to use or employ to address him and, and be around him None that
4: I knew of, okay. none of that was said no he okay. was very very down to earth just a fun guy the thing he liked he liked the food he liked the drinks and he liked
3: the girls <laughs> <laughs> By the way, uh, based on the books I've read about his marriage to uh, Princess Diana, not 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 much really has changed from 28 to a couple of years later. I, I think he got married uh, two years after that, or three years uh, not not that long after that. So, yeah. uh, well, wow. I
4: continued my career through. I flew for five Georgia governors, and I eventually got a job as a captain with Pan American down in Miami. Right, I was down there about 12 years and. I met a lot of people, you know, well, a I can lot imagine. of people, you know, it was, it was, it was a fun time. I went back and got my uh, law degree. I, I do aviation law now. That is and, well, I'm
3: 88 years old. So <laughs> that is, uh, Buck, uh, I, I've gotten to know, uh, over the years, a number of, uh, folks who have been in similar situations and and. Uh, it, it is. I mean, you, you can you learn a great deal when, when you're flying somebody because, uh, I mean, you're doing them a courtesy, although it's still the Prince of England here, the Prince of Wales, I guess I should say. But that, yeah, that's, that's it. You know? yeah, I mean, it's, it's still like, uh, but Bert, Bert, Bert I've, I've talked to some people that knew Bert. He must have been a handful as well.
4: Oh, he was a great guy. Great, great guy. I got to know him fairly personally.
3: How fascinating. Wow. What uh, what a what a life you've had, uh, playing football and being a pilot and all the things that... They, I, I know you've done a couple of other things as well. That That's... Uh, that's well, really, the that's, main thing, my,
4: people ask me a lot of times about my legacy. My legacy, I've got one child. Her name's Natalie K. Wilson. She is a physician, an MD, graduated from Georgia University down in Athens, medical school. Right. She's with... Uh, well well star, she's a vice president there and a physician there. And that's my legacy. That's what I claim to be uh what I was put here for. She helps well, people.
3: Buck that, he is, be- people, that is beautiful. She makes people
4: well, Paul.
3: No, no, listen, I I I understand that well and uh you know, we all uh we all we all think we have some purpose on this earth until you're sick and need uh, medical attention and uh, and the rest of us are, are fairly tame compared to that.
4: I say I say
3: that the doctors do the
4: Lord's work on Earth. That's what I think. Well, that's just my opinion, <laughs> uh,
3: Buck. I you know being being a doctor's spouse, uh, and this is not reflected toward my my dear wife, but having having been dragged to many a party, uh, I met her uh, right after she got out of school. Uh, I can assure you that most of the male doctors that I have been around. Do, do take that seriously, that they're doing the Lord's work. They, they believe that very seriously and act like it, but uh, not, the, well, not, not, oath, the, not the female physicians I've gotten to know.
4: The oath that they take substantiates that, yeah, and it they does. should leave
3: it, and they should live by it. Well, Buck, this was, a, this was indeed a pleasure. Thank you so much.
4: Thank you so wow. much. I think my phone number on uh, the okay. control well, guy's thing. If you need
3: me, give me a call. Anytime. We will. Uh, uh, there are a couple other stories I'd like to ask you about. Hey, thank you very much. How, how cool yeah, sure. is that? Thank you, Buck. Uh, thank you. Bye, now. Thank you very much. I mean, for for those of you who just got on, uh, Buck uh, played in Georgia, became a pilot, captain, and uh, he flew the Prince of Wales, who is now the King of England, uh, to the... Uh, Kentucky Georgia game in 1977. Am I I in trouble now for slamming every male doctor in the country? By the way, uh, there there are different classifications of physicians. Physicians are one thing. Then you get to the next level of uh, exalted status and that's those who are surgeons. They even feel like they're at a higher level than just plain old physicians who, who do all the hard work. Uh, and I've really got myself into a jam, but I don't plan on going to any medical society meetings anytime soon. The, one of the hardest things I've ever done, right after I got married, I was invited to speak to a group of doctors at the hospital my wife was affiliated with. And there are variations. There's some groups that are very difficult to get. to Accountants aren't the easiest audience. Lawyers are. Lawyers are the best. I, I spoke to the Alabama Bar Association uh, a year or two ago, and it was the most enjoyable time I've ever had because lawyers just like to laugh and drink and, and laugh, uh, but doctors do not like to laugh. They do not want anyone to think that they're actually doing something other than saving your life. What was that? The Breaking news. Uh, the National... Labor Relations Regional Director in Region One has issued a decision ruling Dartmouth men's basketball players are employees of Dartmouth NLRB ordering a union election. This is very significant. We've talked to uh, Libet and uh, who did we have on the other day? Uh, uh, We we talked to a lot of people uh, about that and uh, Heitner I think was who we had on uh, uh, signaling that that could be coming. Uh, speaking of breaking news, we have a call here from Jim.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I hate to get negative again, but you know, what business was uh, old old lady Susie in before she got in? She was, my a, uh, you know
3: she was a teacher.
2: Oh, Another, well, another I'm sorry, very important
3: group of people in, in, in our society. And I know. I, hey,
2: well, I know. And you know what, Susie? Even some teachers wanted to carry my books, and that's a fact. But you wouldn't. I wouldn't let you carry my book, city. You wouldn't make the grade. You just wouldn't. You don't make it on the show. You wouldn't nah, make it. Now, then. now, Jim, you're starting to
3: veer into. Uh, she's not my type. Uh, well, it,
2: no, she's uh, not my type. She gets. On. Oh. What? What is? What? What? What kind of Christian lady she calls herself would get on here and say the things she said about trying to put me down? while well, she like said I was, was that where she
3: grew up, uh, women did not carry the men's. Books or the boys' books or whatever they were. Uh,
2: Paul, Paul, wait, wait a minute. I was eighteen. Some of these girls were sixteen okay. or seventeen, but they were not women. I mean, they were young women, young girls. But you know, say a sixteen-year-old
3: would be on the verge of womanhood. Yeah,
2: but, but I didn't lie. I, I didn't don't. lie about it. I didn't lie about that, <laughs> I Paul. I it didn't was make back it in up. in Your time, Jim. I didn't make it up like uh, back in my time, back in Snoozy's time. She's older than I am. But let me tell she you, she you said what, seventy-five. wait a minute, Paul. Don't go there. I'm tired of you going there. I didn't make it up. That's all I wanted to make clear to Susie. And I don't like... Yeah, I don't... You think I... Anyway, she proves how uncouth she is by the things she says. That's all I got to say. Thank you.
3: Uh, Where where did Jim think I was going? Maybe he's older than Susie. I don't know. That's what Susie said, didn't she? We'll have have an invest... The uh, Justice Department is... uh, We'll be investigating that situation. We will be back with more of this wonderful talk show right after
5: this.
1: Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show Podcast. Welcome back.
3: Let's get back to the calls and talk to Carol, who is up next in Houston. Hello, Carol.
0: Hi,
3: how are you? We are doing great. Thank you. I uh, appreciate you calling. And you have, a good, you have a good day, too. Why do I have such quick calls with women? Just, I mean, just like, boom. Dale, yeah. Dale is up next in Colorado.
4: Hey, Paul. How are you doing? Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. Is, is Jim off his meds again, man? I actually had a,
6: a like a real football question. You think? Uh, wouldn't it, it be funny if Jim up? was on a uh, I mean, I, I got his of, meds
3: through Obamacare?
6: Well, I, I mean, I, I I kind of forgot my question. Can okay. I, man, or or Legend or somebody, come on here to get this show back on track, man? I mean, that. Oh my God. I'm sorry, Paul. Thanks yeah, for you're right.
3: Uh, I appreciate you saying that, so I didn't have to. That we are we're struggling right now. We we need help. Thank you, who, Paul, for taking my who, call. C- who? Thank you. Who wants to save the show? We can't. We're not allowed. We've talked about chicken fried steak, Jim being 30 years younger than Susie. We've talked about the pilot. I mean, the most interesting call tonight has been the pilot who flew Prince Charles at the time to Athens, 28 years old. And uh, did I get the impression he said a couple of. So Prince Charles was in, in the States or the colonies, as they say. Uh, he was in Atlanta. The governor le- allowed his pilot to fly him to Athens. I mean, it's only a, about an hour drive. Prince couldn't fly. Could, couldn't do it. Prince couldn't drive? Yeah. I mean, by the time you go up and come down, what, 25 minutes, 30 minutes? He said Prince Charles went to the Kentucky Georgia game, which Kentucky won by the way. James Brown played the halftime. He had a couple of drinks in the president's box. Can you imagine? Now again, it's probably a one o'clock game. It's seven, eight over in London. So maybe it was, it was five o'clock where where he normally drinks, Um, had a couple of pops and then like the, like the ladies, did Prince Charles hit on a couple of cheerleaders? Now, the reason I bring that up, uh, this was, what, 45 years ago? There has to be an ex-Georgia cheerleader sitting at home right now, watching or listening, who got hit on by Prince Charles. And I want to know. I mean, I know it's not, I'm not trying to be tough on the prince. It just, he just came out with a very difficult... I just, I just thought it would be interesting. Next Prince, Princess Diana book. We want to make sure we get all the stories. Meghan Markle, Meghan Markle can't dominate all the bad news. It did come out today that Prince Harry is flying to London to uh, be with his father. Meghan Markle, Meghan Markle is staying behind, I'm looking over the script for the remake of Suits. Uh, Tanner is up next. Good afternoon. Hey Paul, how you doing? We're doing
6: great, thank you. Uh, Paul, I just wanted to talk to you about uh, you know the legacy Nick Saban left behind in my city of Tuscaloosa. Yes, of outside of football, uh, I don't know if you know what's going on with the Saban Center, and uh, I
3: mean I know about it, you, but I
6: don't know. Uh, I don't, tell us, tell us what the latest is.
3: I haven't heard lately.
6: Well, I'm not, you know, I'm no expert on the topic. I, I do know that I believe it's going to be in the the old Tuscaloosa News building okay uh i know the children's hands-on museum as and also like uh the tuscaloosa children's theater is going to be in there and and they're just they're investing millions into you know that the children's hands-on museum has been in tuscaloosa i'm 31 years old and uh it's it's something i did when i was a child kindergarten age um and not only that what he's done for my community after the tornado in 2011 with habitat for humanity and, and the Knicks kids foundation uh, he's, you know, I've worked with them uh, around Christmas time, a couple of times delivering bicycles and uh, he's just outside of football. He, you know, the Sabins just seem to be just really, you know, the salt of the earth, good people. And, uh, you know, I'm, Nick, Nick, and Terry, and Kristen—they're not personal friends of mine, but I have met them all on a, a few different occasions. They've always, you know, Nick shook my hand, looked me in the eye. Not, you know, Kristen's always—she's the same age as me. Uh, treated me with respect. Didn't matter socioeconomic status. Just treats everybody, you know, respectfully. And uh, they just—you know—they've—they've they've done so much for my community. Uh, I just wanted. Tell them thank you, and uh, that that kind of segues into my next point. Uh, I want to respond to AJ, who told me to, who referred to me as Little Tanner, and I'll wear that with a badge like a badge on honor. That didn't offend me. I've been called worse at work, any about three times a week. But uh, he uh, a few months back, I, I always liked AJ as a caller, but a few months back he made a tasteless disrespectful comment insinuating that you know Kristen was owed child support from lane kiffin right right and uh so that's when he got on my bad list so i just want to tell aj uh little tanner he spent enough time in the local coal mines and steel mills and roofing facilities and factories turning wrenches swinging hammers and welding steel to know that he's big enough to get the job done And little Tanner's not as little as he used to be. But when he was little, he was uh, listening to the Paul Feinbaum show. And I remember a thing or two that uh, Charles from Realtown taught me. And if I need to be the one to hand out country boy ass-whipping these days, so be it. Uh, Hey,
3: hey, Tanner, first uh, of all, thank you very much. And uh, I'm not encouraging anyone to do anything. But let me know uh, if you decide to do that because we'll be there watching and cheering you on.
6: well, Paul, Little Tanner's a big man. I, I can, uh, I'm can, i a big enough man that I can come on this air and apologize. You know, I offended him by insinuating that he uh, was mentally challenged, and I apologize for that because okay. it clearly got under his skin, and uh, I apologize. Now, the ball's in his court. He can apologize for telling me to kiss his ass and, you know, the tasteless comment he made about, uh, a woman whose only crime is being the daughter of a football coach or, you know, it balls in his court. You know, I, I don't, uh, I don't, you know, I don't much care how he handles it. I don't call into this show that much, but you, I talked to you a couple of times last year and you told me to call in more. And if work allows, I'll do so. But, uh, That's just if he was curious why I said what I said about him, it's because that tasteless comment he made.
3: Yeah. And and by uh, the way, uh, Tanner, uh, that's incumbent upon me to interrupt that. But sometimes uh, because I I know better, I know the Sabans and uh, they are uh, an outstanding family who whose legacy will live on long after. A.J. departs this earth. I wonder what we well, well, be able to whether, say about Well, whether,
6: whether her last name is Saban or, or Jones or anything else, I just, a woman who did nothing to you, No, the, her only crimes being the daughter of a football coach, any football coach, I think their children, you'd say whatever you want about them. They're the ones in the spotlight. But no, you're, you're, you're
3: 100% correct, Tanner, and I've dealt with the children of, of famous football coaches and you do not want to mess with them because uh, they take it more seriously than anyone else and and they're subjected especially in today's social mediated, uh, social media dominated society to a lot of things that uh, their parents probably don't even care about but they do thank you very very much and uh, a couple more calls here we have a guest waiting uh, and jace is up next hello jace
2: Hey, Paul, let's do, let's do, let's do, let's have a little math class here. Okay. Um, I remember Jim saying that, uh, he didn't want to go play college ball because they were, uh, they were using aluminum bats. Right. Um, they were introduced in 1974. So that would have made Jim, man, I, I'm 50, I'm 56, be 57. So that would make Jim about, let say 18 years older than me. Right. But what Jim says he's not he's not in his 70s. Um he's full of crap, dude. Well, by the
3: way, Jace, uh when I get to my 70s, I'm going to embrace <laughs> I, it. I, I, I uh, can't I mean, any laughing I mean, in the if, background if by are the way. If you're able to have the energy that Jim has, why do you care what uh how old you are? Um, but, uh
6: But I mean, he, he
2: makes himself he, he makes himself say, it sounds like he's like he's such a young man. It yeah, well, because I mean, I mean, he, I
3: mean his, the, the you know, his story, the greatest story he's ever told, other than being a, a better hitter than the greatest hitter of all Williams. time, is that yeah. now he he's moved on from Ted Williams and better than or equal to Tiger Woods and all those things. Uh, I mean, he, he's, he's also written a better song than that, Tracy that, that, Chapman. That he believes him um, and sings better <laughs> than Luke Combs and. <laughs> but here, here's his latest claim to fame, <laughs> that whenever he was in high school or later than that, women carried his book satchel. No, 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 no. Hang on. He said today that even teachers wanted to carry his books. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I get I mean, a little confused. I'm not as young as Jim. <laughs> right. Paul. All
2: right. Thanks, man. Hey, thank
3: you very much. We are heading to a break. Uh, again, we've given you the big story that could, uh, assuming it's not appealed and it will be appealed, not overturned, uh, could be very significant in uh, college athletics. About kind of like the remember the unionization story from Northwestern about ten years ago. Andrea Adelson will get her take on all this coming up next.
1: Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Go to shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com/network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country. There's no competition. Right now, get five dollars off any eight-corner pizza with code eight save. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast.
3: We're back, and uh, Andrea Adelson covers college football for ESPN. Also, you can see her on the ACC network uh, where this next story is very interesting because uh, Boston College lost a coach the other day. A lot of people are chattering about why would a coach leave to go to the NFL. But uh, Andrea, as we say hello to you, what do you hear about who could be next in Boston?
0: Well, it's a great question, Paul, and it's one that people have been talking about, especially over the weekend. A speculation has ramped up about Bill O'Brien in particular, just hired as Ohio State's offensive coordinator. Now he is a serious candidate to become Boston College's next head coach. Uh, He's from the area, obviously. We know his ties to New England, obviously former head coach at Penn State. He has a special needs son who's in school in the region and they absolutely love it there. So family considerations definitely have uh, Bill thinking about um, this job. Now, is it a done deal? No. Boston College is going to be doing in-person interviews tomorrow, and they expect to have somebody in place by the end of the week. So it feels as if some of the speculation that is out there is outpacing the reality of the situation. Brian Flores, the former Miami Dolphins head coach, is another name that has been in the mix. Uh, Jeff Munkin, uh, Jason Candle. So there are a bunch of options out there for Boston College. And quite frankly, Paul, the bottom line is that they are going to need somebody who knows this area really well either they have ties to bc or they have ties to the northeast they have a resume that has shown that they can do more with far less because bc is one of those schools that doesn't really have a giant NIL collective. Uh, They're not a school that's breaking the bank in terms of what their budget looks like for football uh, or their uh, assistant coaching pool and all their support staff, quite frankly. And so when you hear some of those names that I just mentioned, they've either got ties to the area or they're found a way to win with programs that maybe don't have as much as the haves, so to speak.
3: It's interesting, and it's easy to criticize uh, O'Brien. A lot of people did at Alabama, and certainly uh, uh, the folks in Houston got a little tired of him as a GM. But he, but he does have a, a great reputation at Penn State, which really lifted him up uh, after working for Belichick. He's from Boston. He played down the road uh, at Brown. Uh, does that factor into it, other than the fact that uh, you mentioned the, the family considerations? that would inspire him maybe to have his third job in six weeks.
0: Yeah, this is obviously home for him. And I'll tell you, Paul, that the last time the BC job was open, Bill O'Brien was under consideration and he said, give me 24 hours to think about it. Ultimately, he turned the job down. Think about BC if you look at what's happened over the course of its recent history when it's interviewed head coach and candidates, there are a lot of splashy names at the beginning, but ultimately when they start digging down into what exactly does this job look like? What does it entail? What are my resources gonna be? What do the facilities look like? sometimes those bigger name candidates decide "Mm, i'm not really sure if this is a place where i can win and i can win big which is why i say we've heard bill o'brien's name before associated with boston college don't know whether he is in fact going to take this job which is why i want to kind of tamp down on some of the speculation that has been out there because this is a difficult place to go and win if you look at the recent history The last coach that was able to win more than seven games at Boston College was Frank Spaziani. How many people watching this show would have guessed that Frank Spaziani was the last guy to win more than seven games at Boston College? You look at... Steve Adazio. Generally speaking, he won seven games every single year. Jeff Halfley has won seven there uh, before as well. Um, And so it's, it's a difficult place because of the changing landscape that has made it much harder to win at a school that simply doesn't have the same type of resources as not only the schools in their own conference, but schools across the country that they're trying to compete with in terms of recruiting.
3: Andrew, I mentioned uh, some of the stuff that you and David Hell do quite well for the ACC network, but I want to get to the story that came out the other day about uh, the Big Ten and the SEC combining for, they called it an advisory committee. It sounds like something, uh, at the, you know being on the a board of the local YMCA. We just meet occasionally to just make sure everybody's got good treadmills in the gym, but, but what's the view from the ACC uh, about this?
0: Why didn't they just call it the alliance, Paul? I mean, really, like, I I know that there was a failed alliance between the ACC and the Big Ten and the Pac-12, and everyone made some jokes about that. But this one is is something that people are taking more seriously. And I have to say, Paul, as I've talked to some people in the ACC, those who've wondered why Florida State has taken the measures that they have taken in terms of suing to try and get out of the grant of rights to figure out what their long-term options are going to be, what the SEC and the Big Ten are doing. Yeah, that's kind of the whole reason why Florida State has been so vocal about what their future is going to look like because this formation of their advisory committee alliance, whatever we're gonna call it, right, this is something that felt inevitable to a lot of people who have looked at the greater landscape in collegiate athletics and who have worried a lot about the SEC and the Big Ten kind of breaking away and forming their own super conferences and Power 2 and everybody else kind of falling by the wayside. And if you're a Florida State or a Clemson, North Carolina, well, you want to be a part of that Power 2, right? You want to be in the room with people who are going to be making decisions about what the future in particular is of college football is going to look like, because to me, Paul, this really is a college football uh, thing, right? I mean, college football is so different from every other sport, even men's basketball, quite frankly, when it comes to NIL and the portal. There are some similarities, but in terms of the financial drivers here, it's college football and every other sport. And so there has been discussion for decades about whether there was going to be a breakaway from the haves and the have nots. But now that discussion has morphed into a breakaway between the two have conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten and everybody else. And so that's what I find so fascinating about this decision for them to work together because this quite frankly uh, is the realization of fears that a lot of people in the ACC have had about those two conferences trying to gang up on everybody else.
3: And I want, to, I want to close on the ACC because Jim Phillips, who was highly respected at, at Northwestern, and he got this job because of his standing in the college community. And in my encounters with him, he's very likable and, uh, and admirable in, in many respects, but he's come under some criticism for things which really weren't his fault. Uh, what can he do moving forward?
0: Yeah, that's the ultimate question, right, Paul? He just started uh, year three uh as the commissioner year four actually he's in year four um and i don't think he could have foreseen the way the landscape has changed from the time he took that job and quite honestly i don't really think he knew how deep the acc's problems were from a financial perspective when he took the job because on the surface it looked good right you finally got an acc network uh you've got programs like clemson that are playing for national championships from a football perspective every single year you're not that far behind the SEC and the big 10 and now suddenly with expansion and the television deals those two conferences have signed uh the gap between them two and the acc is wider than ever and jim phillips has his hands tied behind his back because he came in and there was already a deal in place between the acc and espn that goes through 2036 that jim has tried to go when they have look in windows to say hey can we renegotiate can we take a look at this can we take a look at that try to figure out ways to help figure out the financial picture uh, to get the ACC more money. And ESPN has said, no, we think we have a good deal, because from the ESPN's perspective, they have a great deal uh, with, uh, with the ACC. And so you've got a situation now where you're locked into a television contract, you see what the SEC and the Big Ten have gotten, And, oh, by the way, those two television contracts are going to be up before the ACC's deal is up in 2036. So it puts him in a very difficult situation. And then, of course, you got schools that are looking out for themselves, right? Like a Florida state that said, hold on, this isn't good enough for us. This isn't good enough financially. We have to find a way out. So it's been a, a difficult situation and challenging situation, to say the least, for Jim Phillips. A lot of it outside of his control. What can he do? I think he can continue to keep pushing and fighting for collegiate athletics as a whole, try and keep pushing and fighting for the ACC and what they bring to the table. But ultimately, I don't know if those arguments are gonna be good enough, if the SEC and the Big 10 are gonna be the ones controlling the narrative, the conversation, and the financial purse strings.
3: Uh, And finally, Andrea, I know everyone's focused in on the South Carolina primary and the presidential election. But a, but a presidential election that we re- recently haven't had a chance to refer to, but we will now, is the Football Writers Association of America. I've been, I've been a proud <laughs> member of this organization for a <laughs> lifetime, even though I, I, I can't even remember the last time I wrote anything other than my name on a check. But you have been elected the president, and uh, many congratulations. Uh, we, we, need, uh, we need an acceptance speech right here.
0: Uh, I, oh my gosh, you put me on the spot here. I'd like to thank, wait, I'm going to go with what athletes say. I'd like to thank God first. I'd like to thank my family. I'd like to thank my parents, my husband, my kids, but in all seriousness, Paul, this is a huge honor for me to represent all of the terrific football writers and broadcasters like yourself, uh, headed into 24. It's a great organization, it's a great group. Uh, We do a lot of advocacy work, uh, and we just are so passionate about college football. I guess they couldn't find anyone else to do it, Paul. Okay, that's that's what I'm trying to get at here. So I'm gonna do my best to bring the type of energy uh, that this group deserves. And uh, looking forward to you to writing another check as a member of FWAA, because anybody who wants to join, just write that check. Write that check out to
3: us. you You gotta, I, don't, I can't remember his title but this guy from texas followed me around media days a couple of years ago and said you've got a, you've got a you haven't you haven't you haven't been a member in years so i, I wrote a check and now now he, now he's asking for uh my dog's name and 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 his uh, ira um but, but it's a great it is a great group and uh, we're really proud for you and 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 happy that uh everybody can agree on on uh, your your approval ratings are way above Many of the other people that are currently serving as president. Uh, thank you, Andrea. Great to see you.
0: Who, Paul? All right, I'm going to be following you around next time. All right, asking you to rejoin. So watch I, out for me. I'm
3: in. I'm in. I, that guy will stay away from me the next time I see him. I'll, I'll give him whatever he wants. We are. Uh, th- thanks, Andrea. We're coming back uh, with much, much more and uh, your phone calls.
1: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast.
3: And how about a double order of SEC inside the women from LSU and then the men? A couple of big wins lately. 930. Dogs Mafia. What a name is up next. What's up, Paul? Hey there.
1: Uh,
2: you know, we're struggling in basketball this year, but I believe in Mike White. Uh, we got too many JUCO rests out there on court, and maybe they should get with, get rid of the possession arrow. Uh, maybe go back the old-school jump
3: ball. Yeah, I've watched a couple of games lately. Uh, I saw the Alabama game, and there was a game before that. Uh, and this team is really a fast-starting team. They just can't hold on down the stretch. But I see a lot of potential, and uh, I have always been a big fan of Mike White. I mean, he's very fundamentally sound and, and really a, a fantastic coach. Thank you for the call. Let's uh, check in next with Carl, who is in Texas. Uh, hello, Carl. How are you doing? Hey there. Mine's a little bit
5: lighter. Chicken fried steak. It makes sense calling it chicken fried steak. They basically take a steak and cook it like a fried chicken. They just roll Ah, it in the batter. That is a
3: very good explanation.
5: (laughs) So that's simple as that. I heard the guy talking about why is everybody leaving Washington. It's the money, uh, unfortunately. And, unfortunately, I think the portal and the NIL came along at the same time, and that's been bad. Uh, what I would suggest everybody do, and it's just my opinion, a lot of these kids do need the money, and it seems like it's always been under the table and stuff like that is how they got kids, is just set up a credit union at each one of the universities. You put in a lump sum for the number of players on the team, every, and, and just say each kid gets 25000 So the kid that isn't going to make it to the next level he gets paid for going to college and playing football and at the end of the uh, when he graduates they can even roll it into a 401k or an IRA and they have that money because the way the NIL is set up the kids that are going to make all the money are the kids that are going go to go the next level and make all the money true so just even it out so that Texas A&M and Texas who have huge huge alumni association they got more oil they can pump a well for two hours and pay for every kid on the team. But just make it where these schools that have the big alums, that have the bigger resources, can't just buy all the good players. But just set up a credit union. If the kid needs money, have him go in and say, let's say I'm just going to use another number, 25000 a player. If the kid needs more than $2,500, he's just got to go in and say, hey, I need this. I'm not going out and buying a gold chain, gold necklace, or anything like that. But this bit of giving kids cars to come, uh, I just think it's wrong because those are the kids that don't need the money because they're going to go to the next level. But the kid that's hung in there, red-shirted, done everything, walked on, help them out. But that would
1: You're listening to the
5: Paul Feinbaum Show podcast.